Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Circle Opens, a podcast devoted to a chapter-by-chapter review of Stephen King's The Stand. Need an affordable source for Stephen King books, movies, collectibles, and more? Make sure to visit Secondhand Bookery at secondhandbookery.etsy.com. Listeners of this podcast can use the coupon code THECIRCLE for 20% off their order anytime, and there is always free shipping to the United States. Again, that's Secondhand Bookery at secondhandbookery.etsy.com. Hey, everybody. So some quick updates. One, I apologize um, if I sound sniffly on this particular episode. Um, Believe it or not, I have a summer cold. (laughs) So that's been a lot of fun to deal with over the past couple of days. And um, we also got some more news regarding the uh, CBS All Access adaptation of The Stand coming from Josh Boone. Uh, earlier this week, word came in that Marilyn Manson has recorded a cover of The Doors song, The End, for the new adaptation with Shooter Jennings. And in the interview where he talked about this, uh, Manson also said that he would be acting in the series. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm sorry. Um, But he didn't say uh, who he would be playing. And this particular uh, comment prompted a wave of speculation among constant readers. And um, it was kind of fun kind of seeing what you guys thought, uh, who you guys thought he might be playing. Um, A lot of people, including some media, think that he'll play Randall Flagg, while others have figured um, a small role like Ratman or even Trashy. And, you know, Trash Can Man's not exactly a small role but um, personally I think uh, Flag is someone who needs to be charismatic um, uh, intimidating but charming and very convincing and I'm not sure Marilyn Manson is right for the role of Flag Um, I could see him in some other supporting role of course Um, but when I see Marilyn Manson, regardless whether he's doing um, an acting job or on an interview, what I I see Marilyn Manson. I don't know that he has the talent to really lose himself in a particular role. Um, but again, I don't want to. I don't want to just assume that he's going to play Flag. There's been no official confirmation from Josh Boone about it. So as of this point, you know, all we can really do is just kind of talk about it and wonder until we get some kind of um, official word from CBS All Access or Josh Boone himself about who Manson will be playing. However, I am very excited um, to hear his cover of The End. Um, I've never been a huge Marilyn Manson fan. There are a few songs of his that I've enjoyed, but um, he was never really in my uh, playlist, I guess, on my phone or iPod or back in the days of CDs. So <laughs> um, so it'll be interesting. I'm enjoying that almost every week we're getting a little bit, some we're getting some new stuff regarding The Stand. It's been a lot of fun so far um, and hopefully it continues throughout the summer. Okay, so we're going to just jump right into this. Um, last week in Chapter 8, we saw how quickly and how widespread the uh, Captain Trips uh, virus was moving. Um, and it's spreading all over the country by now. There are no amount of quarantines that can stop it. Um, and today we're going to talk about chapter nine, which is where we will meet Nick Andros. Um, this is, uh, one of my favorite chapters, I guess. And Nick is one of my favorite characters of this book. Uh, so hopefully I do this chapter justice. Um, you know, King wastes no time throwing us into a bit of action here. 
we meet Nick as he's walking down the road after having a couple beers at a local bar. And almost immediately, he's jumped by a handful of townies. Um, Nick holds his own for a while, even managing to break the nose of one of them. But the men get the upper hand, and they start doing some major damage to him. Nick gets his lips busted by a man wearing a school ring, something Nick is able to observe before getting punched again. And he's grabbed by the uh, ring man's friends, and he's held in place. But Nick is able to uh, do some damage himself. He kicks this ring man in the stomach. And this is when one of the men call him uh, Ray. And Ray immediately admonishes his friend for using names. Um, but he feels like, you know, he feels like Nick is a dirty fighter for kicking him in the stomach. Um, and I always find these kind of guys amusing because they have to have their friends holding down their victim to beat the shit out of them. Excuse my language. Uh, but, you know, if, if the victim gets a shot in here or there, then they're the dirty fighter. So, yeah, that's always great. Um, so we're dealing with a bunch of uh, great guys here. Um, and they're also unnerved as to why Nick isn't talking or making much noise. Um, this scene is kind of cringeworthy. Uh, Nick gets his front two teeth broken or cracked, um, but Ray does not let up, even when one of his friends tells him uh, that, you know, it's probably enough. They don't want to kill him. Um, and at that moment, a car begins to come down the street and interrupts the one-sided fight. Uh, the men flee, but not before pushing Nick into the road in front of the car, probably with the intent of, you know, Nick getting hit or killed. And the car manages to stop just before running Nick over. Um, this is where Nick promptly passes out. When Nick finally wakes up again, he finds himself on a bunk in a small space. It takes him just a moment or two uh, to realize he's actually in a jail cell. It's a small area. Um, there are beetles on the floor, uh, pipes, and there's some vulgar writing and drawings on the wall, uh, of which I won't say here, but if you've read this chapter, you already know. <laughs> and Nick has to take a while to actually get moving. He is in a lot of pain, um, and he can feel that he got some stitches in his face. He's wearing some bandages. And he goes to the bathroom just to make sure that there's no blood in his urine. Uh, thankfully, there's not, but you can kind of tell uh, the amount of pain that he's actually in. And when he's actually able to get up and look out the space, look out into the hallway, he sees um, an old man is lying on one of the five bunks in another cell. Uh, I guess that's the drunk tank. And he's passed out. Um, but then a large man in uh, khakis starts to walk into the corridor. And Nick observes that this man is wearing a Sam Brown belt and carrying a big pistol. When he gets to Nick at Nick's cell, he looks at him for almost a full minute. And then he says, When I was a boy, we caught ourselves a mountain lion up in the hills and shot it and then drug it 20 miles back to town over dirt hardpan. What was left of that creature when we got home was the sorriest looking sight I ever saw. You the second sorriest boy. The man asks Nick, for his name, uh, but Nick covers his mouth and then shakes his head. He's indicating that he cannot talk. The man realizes Nick is mute and then asks why Nick doesn't have any of those cards. Nick mimics the fight, and the large man is able to tell that Nick was robbed. So he goes to get Nick a pencil and paper, um, and we learn that the man is Sheriff John Baker. Nick writes his name for Baker and tries to shake the sheriff's hand, but Baker doesn't want to touch him. Um, 
I'm not sure if he didn't want to touch him because of uh, the damage to Nick's face, uh, the fact that he might be a criminal, or the fact that he's mute. I uh, he can't really tell at this point. But we also learn that Nick is deaf as well. And the two have a brief conversation here, and uh, Nick explains what bar he was at before he got jumped. Baker doesn't think Nick looks old enough to drink, but Nick explains that he's 22. So we have another young character here in Nick Andros. Um, uh, he was described earlier uh, during the fight with Ray as a skinny kid. So he's young, he's skinny, um, but he's also of age, and who knows what the heck he's doing out here. And Baker wants to know, and that's exactly what Baker wants to know. He wants to know what Nick is doing in Shoyo. And I hope I pronounced that right. Shoyo, Arkansas? If I did not pronounce that right, please somebody tell me so I don't do it again. <laughs> and this is where we get a little bit more backstory on Nick Andros. He has been traveling around, but he claims he's not a vagrant. He was working for a man named Rich Ellerton about six miles west of Shoyo in Arkansas. And the week before that, he was in Oklahoma. Uh, Nick explains that the men who robbed him stole about a week's pay. Baker informs Nick that he can verify with Rich that Nick was working with him because he knows Rich Ellerton. And, you know, it's just good police work to suss this out to try to make sure that uh, these people are telling the truth. And he asks Nick about Rich's dog. Nick confirms that Rich's dog was a big Doberman. He was the nice kind, not mean. And this seems to be good enough for uh, Baker. And Baker lets Nick out of the cell and offers him breakfast. Instead, Nick wants coffee. <laughs> Baker starts to talk a little bit, um, but since Nick isn't in front of him to see his lips moving, we can't tell or he can't tell what the sheriff is saying. Um, but Baker is talking about his insomnia, how his wife wants him to go see a doctor about it. Um, so that's why he was out so early in the morning, about 5 a.m. when uh, he found Nick. And there's some communication issues here, but that doesn't seem to irritate Nick or Baker. And Baker gets Nick some coffee and offers to help him find the guys who robbed him, if that's what Nick is willing to do. Uh, Nick is not likely to get his payback, uh, his money. But Nick is still willing to find the guys who beat him up. Uh, he describes one to Baker. He's big and blonde. He was wearing a gray shirt and pants with a big ring with a purple stone. Baker's reaction to this is really interesting. He, uh, the description says that he had a, an expression of concern, then anger, then fear. And he says, quote, this here's a commode slopping over for sure, which is just, God, I love these little phrases that King throws in there. A lot of these I've never heard before, and maybe King made them up, but oh boy, does he paint a picture with just like the simplest sentence. Based on Nick's description, uh, Baker realizes that the man who beat up Nick is Ray Booth. Ray also happens to be Baker's brother-in-law. And you've got to love the small towns where everybody knows everybody else. Apparently, Ray used to beat up Janie, Baker's wife. But because they're still brother and sister, uh, she's going to have issue with Baker arresting her brother. And that probably means um, he's going to suffer a little bit and not get his weekly love. But that doesn't seem to deter Baker too much. He just seems kind of resigned to it. Um, if this is what Nick wants to do, he tells Nick that Ray and his friends are just going to back each other up and it's going to be Nick's word against theirs. 
um, and they'll need some proof of what happened. And Nick explains that he kicked Ray and it broke another's nose. And Baker explains that, quote, Ray chums around with Vince Hogan, Billy Warner, and Mike Childress mostly. I might be able to get Vince alone and break him down. He's got all the spine of a dying jellyfish. If I could get him, I could go after Mike and Billy. Ray got that ring in a fraternity at LSU. He flunked out his sophomore year. I guess we could give it a go, kid, if you wanted to. But I'll warn you in advance, we probably won't get them. They're as vicious and cowardly as a dog pack. But they're town boys, and you're just a deaf-mute drifter. And if they got off, they'd come after you. Nick considers this, um, but he thinks about how these guys beat him up. And they stole his backpack, who honestly was his only friend for the past two wandering years. So he decides that he wants to try. Uh, Baker decides they'll go after Vince Hogan first, um, as he said. And if, if Vince can give up Mike and Billy, they might have a chance to get Ray. Uh, Baker then explains that Doc Holmes, or I'm sorry, Doc Soames, I hope I said that right too, he left some pills for Nick to help with the pain. And Nick decides that, yes, he does want them. Uh, but here is where it gets kind of interesting. Um, as Baker is going to retrieve them, the pills for Nick, he begins to sneeze hard into his handkerchief. John Baker is coming down with a real good cold. His glands are swelling and he's starting to cough and not to mention the low fever that's coming on. And Baker thinks to himself, it was shaping up to be a wonderful day. And thus ends chapter nine, and we get a quick but rather violent introduction to Nick, who is both deaf and mute, but he can read lips, and he can communicate by the written word and some hand motions, uh, mimicry. We don't really know why Ray Booth and his goons decided to jump Nick in the middle of the night, or I guess early morning, as Nick was walking out of town, but it's obvious that they saw him at the bar. He's a stranger, more or less. He's a skinny kid with a backpack. And he probably seemed like an easy target. But Nick fights back. He might be young, but he's not a coward. And even though it ends with him getting robbed um, and pretty badly hurt, I mean, he's nearly run over. He's nearly killed. But uh, Nick's responses to Baker show us uh, more of Nick's personality. He could easily just run away and leave Shoyo, Arkansas, without ever confronting Ray Booth and his friends. Uh, he could run away without ever trying to get justice. But that's not who he is, even if the odds are stacked against Nick. And even though he probably is aware that nothing will come of it, but he's not scared. And even if he is, he's willing to push through to try and get his things back at least. Um, and Sheriff Baker, he seems like a pretty decent enough guy. Uh, he, tells, he tells it like it is. And he's not the most tactful person, but he's not malicious. Uh, he's wary of Nick, but he doesn't treat him like a criminal. Uh, nor does he treat him like an idiot for not being able to hear or speak. Um, you know, there's the the phrase through the book later on, and this is not a spoiler, but deaf and dumb. Uh, but I love that Baker does not treat Nick like he's dumb. Um, he seems to understand how his town works, the town that he's the sheriff of. And someone like Nick was bound to be a target. Um, but he doesn't blame Nick for that. He, he knows that Nick doesn't know it. He's not from Shoyo. And so I have to give Baker some credit uh, that even after discovering his brother-in-law is responsible for Nick's injuries, he doesn't back down either. Uh, he does tell Nick straight up that they're not likely to get Ray and the others uh, if it's their word against Nick's, but Nick doesn't care. 
He still wants to try, so Baker agrees, and he pushes forward on investigating what happened. A lot of police officers um, in these stories, I think, could have easily blown this off, uh, blamed Nick for getting beat up and robbed, or threatened Nick to leave town so they don't have to deal with it, especially a small town where uh, these kind of guys are going to cause problems for Baker and potentially Baker's wife, Janie, because she's uh, Ray Booth's sister. So Baker seems like a stand-up guy, uh, at least, and unfortunately, he's also getting sick. And at this point, we know that it's not just a summer cold. Last week, it was mentioned that people infected were headed all over the country, including Arkansas. So uh, who knows who passed through Shoyo, who had, who had the super flu, who they spoke to, um, and so on and so on. And it's pretty obvious now that our sheriff is infected. Um, and that does not bode well for the town of Shoyo, Arkansas, or Nick himself. And so now we've met Franny, uh, we met Stu and Larry, and now Nick Andros. They're from different parts of the country. Um, all of them are dealing with their own personal issues. Um, although at the moment only Stu's issue is directly related to Captain Tripp's, we haven't seen any sign of illness in Maine where Fran is located or New York City with Larry. But that may change rather quickly as next week for Chapter 10, we are going to travel back to New York where Larry is still lying low with his mother, Alice. If you have any thoughts on this chapter or any of the chapters we've read so far, feel free to drop me a line at thecirclecloses at gmail.com. And if you're enjoying the podcast, it would be awesome if you left me a rating and review on iTunes. I really appreciate all the feedback from everybody, and I want to give a big thank you to everybody who is continuing on this journey with me. Um, We're making progress. It probably doesn't feel that way. I think we're about 9% into the book now, and we have a long way to go, but I'm enjoying it, and I hope you are too. And with that being said, M-O-O-N, that spells, see you next week.